How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome, everyone. Uh, my name is Sam Holzman. This is the 2020s Enterprise, and uh, today's episode is uh, entitled Mass Customization is in Your Hands. Your stakeholders and customers also want this true agility. And uh, this episode is really geared toward uh, you, if you're an, an organization that uses something other uh, than your smartphone uh, for business activities. Uh, if you use smartphone alone, you probably aren't seeing what we're going to be chatting about uh, in today's episode. But if you are from a large organization uh, that uses a personal computer or the Mac environment uh, connected to some kind of a central processing activities, uh, this episode is really geared toward you and, frankly, the suppliers of your technology. And the reason I mention this is that if you do look at your smartphone for just a moment, you see the tremendous contrast between how this technology is deployed and the way large organizations deploy their normal technology. And what, am I, what I mean by that is if you look at your smartphone, the phrase that we use is that in the smartphone world, there's the concepts of mass customization in quantities of one. In other words, you, the owner of the phone, configure that particular set of functionalities, not systems or programs or applications, but the functionality that you want, where you want it, when you want it, and by the flick of a finger, essentially, you can change that particular environment. That's what we consider true agility. This is what we're looking for. And yet, in the world of enterprises and businesses, you see these monolithic, bulky types of environments that just don't react the same way to you, the customer, the consumer, or the stakeholder. And... This episode is, is going to provide you with a little background about what is going on out there. And it has to do with the maturity and, frankly, the stubbornness of the technologists and the technology vendors of moving to a higher level of maturity. Because true agility comes through you as the consumer being able to configure the functionality, that word functionality, not systems or not applications or those types of phrases that are generally used in large organizations, functionality that you need when you need it and when you want it. And that's what we refer to as mass customization in quantities of one. Now, that phrase wasn't invented yesterday. Uh, the term was first introduced by a gentleman named Stan Davis in his book, Future Perfect, the phrase mass customization in 1987. And it was geared toward the manufacturing world. 
And we use a lot of, in our program of the 2020s enterprise, a lot of manufacturing analogies because manufacturing stuff has been around for quite some time in comparison to computerization and technology as we see it. So there's a lot that we can learn from these types of understandings, you know, that are out there. And so what you're seeing in manufacturing, once again, is called mass customization. What you're seeing on your smartphone is mass customization. So the question is, why don't we see that in enterprise and enterprise systems? And you'll sometimes hear, well, it doesn't scale. Well, I think uh, Apple would be arguing with you about the scalability of their infrastructure that provides you with mass customization and quantities of one, or the Android operating system. So that's not the reason for it. The reason is looking at things differently. And the way that the smartphone looks at you is as a customer, not as a market, not as a business segment, or not as some other terms that mask the desire to create solutions and satisfaction at the individual level. And so a customer really means you and I. And this is very different from the way that software vendors and technologists and most consulting firms in this area look at this. They're looking at it as applications or systems, and then there are people using it. (laughs) And as you know, if you've listened to my broadcasts in the past, the term user is something that we need to ban in technology. And and once again, to bring this forward as a joke, and hopefully this doesn't offend anyone, but I use this because there's some real strong analogies. There's only two groups of people that call the people that pay the bills users. And one is the illicit drug trade, and the other is software technologists. And the parallels are kind of scary. We get them hooked, and we charge them more and more for less product. That's a user. And as long as we look at people as users, we're not going to get out of that particular environment. We have to look at people as individual customers. And one of my degrees is, is you know, in, in, uh, in a business degree from University of Michigan. And so some of my understanding comes from that, that I hear the phrase market segments, but what we're looking for is really this concept of mass customization in quantities uh, uh, of one. And what we must realize in information technology is that no matter how quickly we write software, And this is the track that we're on. We're still in this, what I refer to as maturity level one track, is handcrafting. If you hear the term agile programming or agile development, it's still handcrafting. Solutions handcrafted. This is not going to work. It's not working. And it's it's inhibiting us, but there's a self-serving environment that we have out there where the software vendors and the consultancies want to keep going in this area because that's what they're geared up to do. This is a major paradigm shift. And anytime there is a major paradigm shift, there's a bit of pain and there's displacement. And of course, the human reaction to that is a bit of resistance. And that's what we're seeing. So I'm beating the drum here 
continually to try to get people to recognize that not only is it happening, but it's happening quickly. And the people that get on this train are going to win because it's a natural evolution that we saw over 100 years ago in manufacturing. And we're going to see the same thing in this world of technology, software, and software solutions. And unfortunately, in the technology world, most of the profession still thinks about applications, the word applications, software packages, or writing computer programs quickly. And the word that we, or the phrase that we tend to see in the software programming world is agile programming or agile development. But we still have to remember, with all due respect to the people that practice this, it's still hand crafting. Hand crafting. But your smartphone is different. So let's look at the maturity level that got them there, so to speak, quickly. Isn't it kind of ironic that one of the newest technologies out there is using something that has a, is quite advanced in comparison to what's going on? Now, I want to stress here, not everything is perfect in the smartphone world at all. This is just an example of that. The underlying software of the functionality may still be being handcrafted. But to you, the consumer, it looks a little bit different. And we'll talk about some of these things in the limited time that we have together, um, you know, as we move forward. Now, the thing we have to recognize is that your needs and my needs and the needs of your business and your, your environment, your enterprise, change continually. So the first thing we have to do just before we go any farther is to talk about the concepts of change. And if we study the concepts of change for just a, just a little while here, we'll start seeing how we can get to a mass customization environment in our own world. So let's for a moment here think about change because that's what people are looking for. They're asking for something today. They want something different tomorrow. And no matter how much we try, they can't anticipate what's going to happen three milliseconds from now rather than 10 years from now. Now, whether you call it strategy or whatever that's out there, it's educated guessing. And what we're trying to do is to guess at least 51% of the time correctly or else we have a problem. That's not a very tasteful way to say that. And I don't think they said that in the business schools uh, uh, courses that I was, uh, I was in. But that's really what it is. It's educated guessing and trying to move the percentage of correct guesses up. And so there's tools, techniques, and processes and methods that we're trying to use to make that predictability better and better that's there. <clears throat> but underlying this is the concept of change. So if we just study change for a moment, as we, we did a number of decades ago when we started looking at this, we were shocked. We were shocked to find out that there's principally three ways to change something in the physical world. And we're trying to give you that analogy that we'll see the same thing in the technology or the enterprise world. We thought there'd be a gazillion million different ways to change things. And I've done a whole episode of the 2020s enterprise on this concept. So I'm just going to briefly review some of these things with you now. And so the three ways to change something. So please remember that when you are thinking about something new that you're looking for, it's a change. 
Don't think about it as a software change or a hardware change or a system change or a strategic change. Let's just word, use the word change. It's a change. And so when we look at that word for a moment and remove some of the other uh, spurious words, it makes things just a little bit easier to understand. We're trying to change from A to B or B to Q or whatever it is. So let's come back to this. Three ways to change something. The first way sounds a little silly, I know, but it is something that we do. And the phrase is, go for it and see what happens. Go for it and see what happens. Oh, that's a great approach, Sam. Well, think about it. If you do not have a baseline for addressing and managing change, if you just have a product, or in the case of technology, a set of running computer software, that's your baseline, then that's, go for it. Long lead times, high risk, low reliability, and change by trial and error. And as we're doing this broadcast live today, we're just coming off of, for those of you that are listening live and have been paying attention to some of the political chaos out there, uh, you know, that we're seeing, we're coming off of the Iowa caucuses where they are blaming the software vendor for not yet having the results of the caucuses because some organization, some or, or company built a software application on a smartphone that is not functioning correctly for one reason or another. And so, of course, the finger pointing is coming out. Now, I'm going to point the finger too, but I'm going to suggest to you that it has somewhat to do with a specific vendor, but underlying the whole industry is the same type of thing. So you're seeing in the newspapers all sorts of people wringing their hands saying, oh, we got to do more testing. Well, let's look at the word testing for a moment. Testing does not tell you that a product is good. It says that the tests have passed, that you've predefined. But that doesn't mean you've got six of the 4,000 different tests. You don't even know how many tests there are. By the way, I'm not suggesting don't do testing. But this is an after the fact thing. We got to get in front of this. We got to get in front of this. That's the whole thing that we're chatting about here. Not a back end thing. Got to get in front of it. And so we have to look at it as the baseline for dressing change. So when this fiasco happened in Iowa, what was their baseline? That's why they're still scrambling around. There isn't. They got running code. So they're trying different things. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's see if this works. Go for it. Oh, was that horrible? High risk, low reliability, change by trial and error. <laughs> okay. Second approach to change. Throw it away and start all over again. Oh, that's really tasteful. Think about it for a moment. Throw it away and char- throw, throw it away and start all over again. You got to scrap it. It's just not repairable. And your life and my life, we make these daily and sometimes weekly or monthly or yearly decisions. Things aren't worth fixing anymore for whatever reason. And there could be a broad reasons for that. It's useful life is exhausted. And then we have to scrap it. And the third and the engineering scientific approach to change with what we want is what's referred to in the physical world as reverse engineer and change it. Reverse engineer and change it. The word reverse in most organizations, unfortunately, is in quotes because it assumes 
that the product was, quote, forward engineers and has a baseline for addressing and managing change. You're building the concept of change into the product, not as an afterthought, but you're building an environment where change is inevitable and it's planned for and it's expected rather than, oh my gosh, what do we do now? And that could be because of an error or a change in requirements or a change in whatever it is, technology, belief. We have a different strategy is a change. We have a competitor coming in the marketplace. We have to change the approach that's there. Change is constant. And in the technology world, there's a lot of people that believe that the speed of change is the issue. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's not the speed of change. It's that we are not building our technology solutions with change as a baseline. And this is the concept that we really have to start thinking about. Change needs to be built into the product because we know now, especially, that this is going to be something that is going to occur with a high degree of probability. So we have to build an environment where change is part of the equation and is expected. And we're going to take a short break right now and we're going to come back and talk about how to actually do that to move toward the mass customization approach. You're listening to Sam Holtzman. We'll be back here in just a few minutes talking about the concepts of mass customization in quantities of one. See you back here in a few minutes. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Based on over 30 years of real-world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal-aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. 
This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. We're chatting about uh, mass customization and uh, before our break, we were chatting about the way that change occurs. And there's basically three ways to change something. And, and uh, we talked about, uh, with a little bit of humor, the first way to change things is to go for it and see what happens, a very dangerous approach. Uh, the second approach is to throw it away and start all over again. And the third approach is the concept of reverse engineer and change it. And the concept of reverse engineering requires some kind of a baseline. So you have an as-is state, and you want some desired state, and you need essentially something to go from the as-is to desired state. Now, not to hit you over the head, but in order to do that, you need a descriptive representation of the as-is state and a descriptive representation of the desired state, and you can build a roadmap. It's really kind of simple. But if all you have is a bunch of running computer software you're, you're not going to be able to find it. And we can go all the way back to some of you remember uh, the year 2000 episodes when all of these computer systems could possibly go into a state of, of uh, disarray on December 31st, 1999, because people didn't know where the date was actually coded into a lot of computer systems. Once again, a baseline for addressing change. So here we are, 20-some years later, and we're still seeing the same thing. Once again, the maturity level. There's that, that resistance to move. And this isn't the first time we as human beings have you know experienced these types of things. And in a previous episode of the 2020s Enterprise, I talked about the movement from the you know, agricultural age to the industrial age to the internet age and now to the information age. And each one of those, and now we have the movement from the internet age to the information age, where there's just a natural human resistance to change because people feel threatened. It's just a, a natural resistance. We have to recognize that and we have to, you know, address that. But, you know, as we're sitting here again in an election year and this fiasco go, that, you know, that just went on in Iowa and people are talking about, you know, interference from foreign countries and things like that. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason for that is because of our immature software practices. We're not complicit in this, but we're sort of, you know, we're not riding shotgun in the car, so to speak, but we are in the back seat. We are in the same car. We're facilitating, we're allowing this to happen because of the 
poor techniques we have to build solutions. And once again, the theme here is not only that, but provide customized solutions to each customer. That's really, really what we're looking for. And moving forward here in just a moment, you'll see how you and I, our world is surrounded by these concepts of mass customization, with the exception of technologies that are used by most large organizations. That's the strange part. It's all around us, but we have to recognize it. So coming back to the last approach to change, which what we refer to as reverse engineering and changing it, the approach that will give us a high degree of traceability and transparency to the changes is the following sequence, and it's quite simple. We have a series of representations. You want to call them models, you want to call them drawings, you want to call them blueprints. Concept probably of a blueprint is quite familiar to most of us. The first thing we do is to look at that blueprint, that drawing, that model. We change the drawings to give us a visual, physical indication of what that change is going to be. And once we see that, then we change the physical object. That's the traceability and transparency we're looking for. So we find the drawings, change the drawings, and then change the physical object. But that, of course, means we have a series of representations to be able to do this. And if you ask your technology professionals about this, they may look at you, unfortunately, with deer, as, you know, like a deer in the headlights. This is very unfortunate, and I'm not yelling at technologists. Because there's, once again, that, that momentum that is hard, that is hard, and people feel threatened by some of these new techniques. And we have to recognize the human element. And in a previous episode of the 2020s Enterprise, we spent a number of episodes on the concept of human change and how difficult that is as we move more and more into the digital world, you know, that's out there. So in the physical world, people weren't standing still. That's the whole point. They weren't standing still and waiting for this to happen. They aggressively started looking at how do we address the increases in complexity that are out there and the increases in the rate of change in the physical world. And so when they started looking at this thing, again, not from only a technology standpoint, but well before that in the manufacturing world, if you start looking at the literature for some time ago, you'll come across what's referred to as the general manufacturing maturity phases and the manufacturing maturity model. And this is the key to the concepts of mass customization. And I'm going to give you a few examples coming up in just a few minutes and how you're already experiencing this outside of large organizations in the software world. So what's fascinating to me is these organizations provide you and I with mass customization of their products in quantities of one, yet when it comes to technology products, they're still stuck in maturity level one. 
which is really kind of a, a head-scratcher. So let's take a look at these maturity levels so we can unmask a little bit of this and not make it sound so cryptic. Maturity level one is what we refer to as make-to-order. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the issue. This is where most organizations are stuck. The, literally the word make-to-order. And that phrase is what we saw in most requests for software solutions. And I'm going to bet $1.49 or whatever you'd like to bet that the people writing the software for, with all due respect, the Affordable Care Act from a few years ago and healthcare.gov and what we saw just a little while ago in the Iowa software, they're in this maturity level. And basically it's hand crafting, hand crafting. And very quickly we lose it because of the concepts of complexity. Now let's take a look at this in the physical world for just a moment so I give, give you an analogy. What does make to order in the physical world? Picture just for a moment, 150 years ago, plus or minus a few years, you go to Dearborn, Michigan, approach Henry Ford, and say to Hank, <laughs> Hank, build me a horseless carriage. And he says to me, Sam, no problem, I'll have one for you. Come back in about six months, <laughs> and I'll have one for you. Because what he's doing is handcrafting. So he called his buddy Harvey Firestone. I hope he couldn't call his, his buddy, he couldn't call his buddy Harvey Firestone, excuse me, because the telephone wasn't invented yet. So he telegraphs Harvey, says, Harvey, I need four tires. Now, once again, please recognize, to make a point here, I'm exaggerating. So Harvey would go out, find some land, uh, plant some seedlings for rubber trees, wait for the rubber trees to mature, uh, cut down the rubber trees, uh, uh, melt the rubber, um, you know, and, and into uh, some, some molds, uh, unmold the tire, uh, send the tires off to Henry, and Henry would have four tires. <laughs> Make to order, literally, literally making to order. And if you have nothing there, as most organizations and software do, do, that's what you're doing. You may call it agile, you may call it waterfall, you may call it whatever. It doesn't make any difference. When you got a bunch of people writing code, it's handcrafting make-to-order. And the terms like requirements definition and use cases and business process modeling notation and any of these phrases uh, that you've heard out there, that's maturity level one. I'm sorry. Characteristics. Long lead times, high cost, generally low reliability. Duh. Boy, are we seeing that. How do we get out of that? Well, there's another maturity level that, that, uh, that the industry has started moving toward. And is sort of, we're stuck in there in some areas. And because of the problems that we saw in the maturity level one, maturity level two sort of came along. And maturity level two is, to, is the phrase is provide from stock. And if we go back to Henry Ford for just a moment, uh, the phrase that you, you know, if you look at the literature, it's kind of a humorous phrase. It says you can have any color of car that you want as long as it's black. And the whole point is it's not changeable. 
That's the concept of mass production, not mass customization. Mass production. We're serving the needs of the middle of the things that are out there. So once again, you go to you know Henry Ford and he'd say, here you go, here's a black four-door. Oh, well, you know, Mr. Ford, I'd like a convertible two-door blue. Ah, here's a nice black one here for you with four doors. Any questions? Provide from stock. Now, in the software world, in the technology world, that's referred to as COTS packages, C-O-T-S, commercial off-the-shelf software. Nothing wrong with that. I just want to emphasize that the software underlying that was built the same way. It's just a package solution. And some people say, well, I'm better off that way. Well, hold on a second. You may be better off if, and I'm going to say this twice because it sounds kind of funny, if you change your business to fit the software package. Let me say it again. If you change your business to fit the software package, you're better off. Now, I don't know how many of you think about changing your business to fit the software package, which removes every conceivable competitive advantage that you have because you have a generic solution. So what you're here is, well, what we need to do is to do some, oh, my favorite word, tweaks. Ah, tweaks or add some functionality to it. Nothing wrong with that. But I want my listening audience to remember what just happened is you have increased You have increased the complexity of your organization. You have increased the complexity of the organization because now you have the commercial off-the-shelf package software vendor and the changes that they're making and your own technology changes and the changes that you're making and then the interfaces between those. You have increased the complexity. Eyes wide open, not saying don't do it, but make sure that you have eyes wide open to do that. So there's some benefits provide from stock, reduce cost, higher reliability, but unfortunately, limited flexibility, ladies and gentlemen, limited flexibility. And this is the issue. So how do we get to the next level? And the next level where we can have mass customization, excuse me, in quantities of one is what's referred to as assemble to order. Assemble to order. And there's many, 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 many different analogies that we can use to give you that understanding. And before we take our break in just a few minutes, I'm just going to give you one that a lot of people like. Now, I'm just saying this because this is what people have mentioned to me. Picture for a moment a salad bar, a salad bar with 16 elements in it. You've got romaine lettuce, you have tomatoes, you have garbanzo beans, you have green peppers, you have onions, you have radishes, you've got um, uh, whatever, mushroom, (laughs) uh, chicken, bacon, whatever it is, 16 elements, all sitting there in a nice salad bar. What is the word that I use? Assemble to order. Assemble to order. So you walk up to the salad bar and you build yourself 
a custom salad in quantities of one and your salad and the ingredients and the quantity of each one of the elements that you put in there is your choice. Assemble to order. Wow. Now, just to give you an idea of that flexibility and why the smartphones can do what they do, if you have 16 different elements, you have approximately 23 million, 23 million different types of salads you can make. And everybody, well, somebody may come up with something else, and we'll chat about that when we get back from our break in just a few minutes. But what an incredible amount of agility and flexibility. Wow. And we're also going to talk to you about how this is something that you and I see in our daily lives every day, this concept of mass customization in quantities of one, but we want to bring this to you in your enterprise technology, your enterprise technology, you know, that's there. And the benefits of assemble to order are tremendous. Almost custom products, high reuse, reduced time to market. And once again, the theme of the show, this episode, mass customization and quantities of one. So we're going to take one more short break here before we come back to our last segment, talking about how to bring this concept to your organizations. You're listening to the 2020s Enterprise, Sam Holzman. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes talking about mass customization. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. 
Enterprise Architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, visit EACOE.org. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at EACOE.org. That's sam at EACOE.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. So we're chatting about mass customization is in your hands. Your stakeholders and customers also want this true agility. In this episode, we were chatting about the concepts that we see on our smartphones of the ability to custom configure at literally at the push of a screen the way that you interact with that device. And yet in our organizations, most large organizations, we don't have that ability. We have these monolithic rigor mortis types of environments that were there and I was we were chatting about the maturity level which is ironic that we see in organizations and we chatted about the three levels of maturity um, you know that were there the first one being make to order the second provide from stock and right before our break we chatted about started talking about assembling to order which is the key to mass customization in quantities of one, the reuse of things that are out there, and reducing time to market. This is the key, and I chatted with you about the concept of a salad bar as one example of this. And so I gave you sort of an image of 16 elements on the salad bar, Um, You know, lettuce and tomatoes and onions and radishes and mushrooms and chicken and bacon and whatever else that you see on a salad bar. And your ability to walk up to that salad bar and very, very quickly build yourself a custom salad in quantities of one where you decide how much of each ingredient you want. And even to the point of how you want it layered, so to speak. I want the lettuce on the bottom or I want the whatever. It doesn't make any difference. You have complete control over that. And so what we have to recognize underlying all of this is the concept of change was built into the beginning. It wasn't something that we thought about afterwards. And this is what we have to start thinking about in our world of technologies, is that change is constant. And it is not the speed of change that is causing us issues in technology, in the technology world. It is not 
it is not building into our products, the concept of change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. It's going to happen, and it's going to happen, and we have to recognize that. Now, this concept of assemble to order, just to give you sort of like an understanding and some things that you can take to your colleagues, is all around us. This is the way we function in society. So walk into, for example, a grocery store. Another example, you walk into the canned goods section. It's organized by uh, uh, vegetables. And in the vegetable canned section, you've got green beans in one area, and you've got five different varieties, and you've got corn in another, and you've got cream corn, you've got regular corn, uh, you've got uh, you know, XYZ. And you walk into another section, uh, you've got uh, canned uh, tuna. Uh, you got the uh, uh, liquid-filled uh, and oil-filled and, <laughs> and different brands and things like that. You walk into another section, walk into the dairy department. You've got the uh, uh, milks and you've got the cheeses and you've got the yogurts and you've got the Greek yogurt and the plain yogurt and the regular yogurt. And you assemble to order. You walk into the, um, the, the grocery store and you assemble to order what you need in quantities that you needed in in the order that you wanted in. What about a restaurant? Same type of situation. One hopes that when you walk into a restaurant, the chef hasn't made all the meals ahead of time. And you have essentially, and here's another great example, you have a menu. And in that menu, you can do some changing. Now, we want, to rec- we want you to recognize that this is the environment we're in. If you walk into a, a restaurant that um, uh, specializes uh, in, in beef and fish, Um, you know, that's there on a grill, it's probably not a good place to get a Greek salad or some tacos. And what I mean by that is it's not serving everybody for every possible situation. I'm not suggesting that. But within the context of that enterprise, you have the concept of assemble to order. Let's walk into a clothing store. Assemble to order. And some clothing stores organized by style, some organized by sex, some organized by designer, some organized by color. And you walk through there and you assemble your outfit, so to speak, the way that you want it. Let's walk into a Home Depot or Lowe's. Same type of thing. You've got the lumber department. You've got the window department. You've got the door department. You've got the shingles. You've got the paint. You've got the the uh, drywall, you got the plumbing area, et cetera, et cetera. Assemble to order. Ladies and gentlemen, it is all around us except in technology. Mass customization in quantities of one. Now, in those industries, there is some standard solutions. And a lot of times, people just want it, whatever it is. So you can walk into a place that has a salad bar And usually next to the salad bar is pre-made salads because somebody decides that a lot of the times this is the standard solution that people are looking for. Wonderful. If I haven't convinced you that this is doable and you and I are living it every day, then I apologize. There are so many examples in our daily lives for this. It's incredible. So the rhetorical question to my audience is why Aren't we doing this in technology? And quite simply, it's because of the built-in 
resistance and momentum that we see in the early stages that you or I are in in the maturing of the technology that's there. And so what we have to think about, it's really a change in the business paradigm. It's a business decision to go from mass production to mass customization. Someone has to say, our objective is to stop writing code. I don't care if it's agile or fast or slow or waterfall or whatever you're doing. And we are going to go to a mass customization approach and we're going to start off and we're going to build an environment to do that. It is a business decision. Now, it may be a business decision that is forced on technologists. We don't want that to happen. Or it's a technology executive decision. The chief digital officer, the chief information officer, whatever you want to call that individual, nowadays chief technology officer that says this is the future and we are going to move our organization into that to provide our customers, whether they're internal or external, internal, external, with the most flexible environment and we are going to be the leader because of that. And you will be. And there are organizations that are already doing this. This is because I gave you just dozens of examples, and I, you can get a little, you know dozens more, where everything around us, everything around us is in this environment. Now it doesn't mean that pre-configured solutions are going away. And one of the reasons they're not going away is that's all we got right now. But sometimes we don't need that. But that's irrelevant. Because as I mentioned to you, if we have the salad bar, we can build pre-configured salads. So if we have the technology salad bar, we can build pre-configured solutions and at the same time provide mass customization in quantities of one. And another example that people talk about um, is the toy Legos. And people have seen these things and... and, and uh, It's quite a marvelous piece of technology, Legos. Um, They essentially have, as as I'm sure that you know, and even if you don't, I'll use the phrase, play with them, you sort of know what they are. They're pre-configured sizes and blocks of things that you can assemble to order. Once again, look at that phrase, assemble to order. Here we go again. And the key to it is a series of standard interfaces that allow that to happen. You know, that's out there. Now, in the technology world, not all is lost. It's not like we're far away. You see people talking about microservices and codeless environments. They're getting awful close. We need that push because what we're looking for is to build custom solutions and quantities of one, mass customization, from a series of standard things that we have. So coming back to the salad bar, we have to figure out what our salad bar is going to look like. And in that salad bar, there's two fundamental things that we need as separate things in our salad bar. We need a data salad bar with data stuff in it, And we need a process salad bar 
with processed stuff in it. And we call those data distribution centers and process distribution centers that we can draw from. But when we hear the phrase microservices, what we're still doing is mushing things together too early. It's like saying the only way that we can make a salad is that if we have mixed greens, we always have uh, uh, radicchio, uh, romaine, and iceberg lettuce together. We're mushing things together ahead of time. It's a service. I'm not talking about services here. I'm talking about the elemental components, just like in a salad bar. Lettuces, tomatoes, it's all separate, and we assemble to order. And in the world of technology, we can start off with two sets of things. A data distribution center, or a data salad bar, that's not really a phrase that works too well, and a process And in order to do that, to make it organized, of course, what we need on top of that is a classification system that allows us to store and retrieve those items. It's not that difficult, but it is a change in thinking. It's a paradigm shift. And that word has been used a lot, you know, that's out there. And so the key is that we're focusing not on the solution, not on the market, but on the individual consumer, the individual customer, the individual stakeholder, whatever you want to talk about, and recognize that individual is unique. And furthermore, that individual in their daily lives has the ability to configure what they're doing almost on demand. And we want to give them that same flexibility, that same agility when they use the solutions that are being provided either in our organization to us or for us as customers. That's quite simple. Quite simply, that's what it is. And that environment, what we refer to is mass customization in quantities of one. And this is what your customers And this is what your stakeholders are looking for. So it's a matter of thinking a little bit differently, thinking about these elements, and moving toward toward that environment. Hopefully this has provided some insight to allow you to move forward. And of course, it would be our pleasure to work with you on your movement toward this mass customization environment. Thanks for listening. This is Sam Holzman. We'll see you next time.